Well, it is a pleasure to welcome you as we gather as the Christ Journey family once again, not only here in our physical campuses in South Florida, but across the nation, around the world. So wherever you're connecting with us today, Church Online, we uh, this, this message comes with our prayer for God's increased blessing in your life. And I have some happy news today. Uh, Pastor Ryan and Stacy have welcomed little Jacob Daniel to their home. Is he beautiful? Oh my goodness. Uh, what a gift and what an amazing, so our prayers and our love are with them and we'll look forward to welcoming them back with the church family soon. Um, have you ever known, have you ever felt the frustration of trying to start your car and getting nothing? I mean, no juice, no power, nothing. So what do you do? You check your battery, you discover your battery is not dead, but what you discover is that there is corrosion on your cable ends blocking the flow of power. Has ever happened to you? Corrosion that blocks the flow of power. So what do you do? Well, the wise mechanic cleans the corrosion off so that the power is restored without interruption. This is like a no-brainer, right? Yes. But did you know the same kind of thing can happen to your spiritual life? That there, you can experience a blocking that uh, can keep the power from flowing, keep you from getting where you're going in life. Now, maybe you say, well, I know that's true, Bill, because I've lived it. I mean, I'm not telling you something new. You've been there. Maybe you're there right now, and you're wondering, why is, the, why, why is it not happening? Well, maybe there's something blocking. But what if I were to tell you that there is a way for you to personally experience the restoration of power and the increased flow of spirit power in love, joy, and answered prayer in your life, would you be interested? And what if I told you it's not my idea? This was Jesus' idea. He was meeting with his leaders, he was meeting with his disciples, and they weren't talking about car mechanics, but something that was every bit as real and relevant to their world in their day, and he's having some high-impact time, together time, with his, uh, with his leaders, and... Um, and he offers them the promise of increased spirit power that would flow in love, joy, and answered prayer in their life. Now, think about this. What part of their life is not going to be benefited by that? Not one. Every part of it is going to feel just like yours. What part of your life would not be benefited by an increased flow of love, joy, and answered prayer in spirit power this year? Not one. Not one. Jesus is teaching his disciples in a strategic time of high impact preparation and he's explaining something to, to his core leaders that is going to influence every part of their life and it's going to show up in no less than three ways. Their relational life, their emotional health, their spiritual well-being. But he says the way they're going to feel the benefit is an increased love, joy, and answered prayer in their lives. Now, if you want that, hang in there because Jesus is going to take us on a ride to get there in this talk. But two things make the offer even more electric than simply our wanting it. The first one is that this is a dangerous world. Would you agree with that? It's a dangerous world we're living in, and that's what he said to them. In a matter of hours, in fact, their world is going to convulse 
convulse in ways that feels like it's coming unraveled and undone. I mean, right now they're having this like special together time of intimate friendship, but Jesus is about to be betrayed, arrested, beaten, stripped, condemned, (laughs) nailed to a tree where he would die. And he tells them, if the world so hates me, then don't be shocked when it gets on you. So, I don't know where you feel like life may be treating you unfairly right now. Maybe um, people aren't treating you right. Maybe you uh, have been neglected or abused or you've suffered some kind of injustice that you're feeling keenly. But I do know this, that in times like that, it matters if there is a way to know how to increase the flow of love, joy, and answered prayer in your life. Is that right? Which may be why Jesus is talking to them and teaching them this. And maybe precisely why you're here today is so that this can benefit your life and then those that you're connected to. But I said there were two things that make this electric. One is the dangerous world that we find ourselves living in. The second one is that decisions have power. Your decisions are powerful. Our series has been Decisions, Decisions. And what we've learned is that God has so ordered the universe that it responds to human decision-making. There is an immutable law of sowing and then reaping in life. Choices yield consequences. Decisions determine destinies. And eternities. Now, if that sounds ominous to you, it's because it is. Decisions have power. And that's why it's so important for us to learn how to make the wise choice. When we choose poorly, it can bring damaging, great damage can result. But when we choose wisely, great increase and harvest can result, multiply, a return in life, or as Jesus says in John chapter 15, you can multiply your fruitfulness in life. God wants your life to be productive. God wants your life to be fruitful. God wants you to live a fruitful and productive life. And, uh, and part of that fruitfulness means increasing in the flow of spirit power and experiencing love, joy, and answered prayer in your life, which is why I'm excited about this. Would you listen to Jesus again for the very first time? John chapter 15, here's what he says. I'm the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so it can be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. I believe that's the word of the gospel that Jesus shared with them. Abide in me and I will abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, but it must abide in the vine. Now, don't get snagged by the word abide. We don't use it much in our day and culture, but you're going to love what it means when you lay hold of it. Neither, Jesus says, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. 
If a man abides in me and, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's like a branch that, that is thrown away and it withers and then they're picked up, branches are picked up and they're thrown into the fire to be burned. If, any, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Showing yourselves to be to my disciples, pause button, what Jesus just said is, Increased answered prayer is part of a fruitful life. Did you see that? As the Father has loved me, Jesus says, so I have loved you. Now, abide in my love. If you obey my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and abide in his love. Pause button. Abiding in God's love is part of the fruitfulness of life. You see that? Jesus says, now, I have told you this so that my joy, my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. Increasing the flow of joy in your life is part of that fruit. You see that? My command is this, Jesus said, love one another. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends, and you are my friends if you do what I command. I've no longer called you servants. I call you friends because a servant doesn't know his master's business, but instead I've called you friends. For everything that I have learned from the Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and have appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. There's increased answered prayer again, part of the flow of God's spirit power, right? And then he says, this is my command, love one another. Live in the connection and flow of my love. I'm thinking this is amazing. This is so awesome. This is so huge. It's, it's heavy duty, but here's what I see. Jesus is painting us a picture, a gorgeous picture of a flourishing garden in a dangerous world. A flourishing garden in a dangerous world. Now, most of us don't immediately connect with the imagery of a vineyard. You know, we have vineyards in our backyard. But Jesus' first listeners would have. They would have got it like that. They couldn't imagine life without vines and grapes and fruit of the vine, the wine that they produced. Viticulture had been in the Holy Land for 2,000 years before the Romans came. Okay, so this was part of the region. Fruit of the vine was essential staple to them. In fact, hundreds of, of uh, excavations, ancient wine presses have been found during the excavations of the nation. But though the ancients didn't understand microbes and gastrointestinal issues, disease the way we might, they knew this, drinking water can make you sick and even bring death. So here's what they did. They mixed wine with their water for health. So what we learn is grapes and wine are not only part of a nourishing opportunity for them, but medicinal value. This would have been in the disciples' mind. And then 
It was a symbol of freedom from bondage to the point that every religious ceremony that they had involved the fruit of the vine. So what am I saying? When Jesus shared this image, it was clear to everybody in the room listening, having a good, healthy, productive vine was central to living a full, healthy life. So here's what Jesus is saying. Let me plug you into a source of life that will keep you flourishing in a dangerous world. You interested? And the main reason that this garden is so full of life, Jesus says, is because God as Trinity is at work there. God as Father is the gardener overseeing. God as Son is the vine, the sustaining vine. And God as Holy Spirit is the life-giving sap that is flowing through the vine and resulting in fruit bearing through the branches, which are what? Disciples. So if you're a Christ follower, he's talking about you. And here's the central challenge. Would you like to know how you can live a flourishing life in a dangerous world? Those may not be the words that you use when you think about your future, but here's Jesus' answer. Decide to abide in me. Decide to abide in me. Abide means make your dwelling place, make your home in me. So for you to decide to abide in Christ is to make is to dwell in the fullness of the Trinity. To make God your home. If you've ever wondered how secure am I as a believer, then there it is. God's got you covered over, around, and within. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. I mean, he's got you high security grip of God who will not let you go. And high security is good because it's a high risk world. Later in the chapter, Jesus makes it very clear that it's a, it's a dangerous world we're living in. It's a predatory world. It's a world full of predatory hate. Read letter in John chapter 15, where dark forces are at work. Guilt, sin, persecution, violence, opposition are all at work. So we're already at risk in a dangerous world, but how do you flourish? And in fact, there are two other areas of risk that Jesus says we live at, that he was talking about the, to the disciples that they're at risk for. You know what they are? First is self-deceit. You can be a danger to yourself, Jesus says. How? How is that? Well, by believing something that's less than what's true, less than what's real, like what? Like believing that you can lead a flourishing life apart from the vine. And you'll feel that one. I mean, he's like, like real fruit flows from a real connection with the real vine. But if there is no connection to that vine, then that real failure is going to find you out in life. So people without connection, he actually says, are like branches to be gathered for fire as lives that are withered and wasted and then, and then thrown away. It's like Jesus saying, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. You know, now there's a painful thought that you can so waste your life so as to wind up trashed. Jesus would say, actually, he's saying, you know what? Decide to abide before that happens to you.
Decide to abide before it's too late. Decide to abide in me and you'll avoid that. It's like in another occasion where Jesus said, um, what's it gonna profit you to gain the whole world if you're losing your own soul in the process? Trashing yourself in the process. You can be a danger to yourself. That's what Jesus is saying. You can be a danger to yourself by believing something that's less than true. And you can be a danger to yourself by faking it in religion, religious frauds. Jesus, did you know this? Jesus never preached hell hotter than when preaching to religious hypocrites. You don't like religious hypocrites? God doesn't either. And they're a danger to themselves and don't even know it. <laughs> because they're not connected to the vine. They're just trying to fake like they are. And then another area, here's the second area of risk is the father's pruning. Oh my goodness, God the father is a danger to the spiritual deadwood in our lives. And here I can speak from experience. God, God may cut you so you can be more fruitful. Good gardeners, good gardeners cut fruitful branches. Why? So that they can increase their return of fruitfulness. I have been cut by God. And not once, twice, I'm telling you many times, I never enjoy it. I never invite it. I think sometimes I may say, now, God, if there's something you want to do with me, great, you know, but bless me. <laughs> no, I usually don't say cut me. But Jesus said, because God wants to bless you, he will cut you. Listen, it's called pruning. How does God respond when you are stuck or stalled in an unproductive, unfruitful place? Well, a good gardener is going to cut the branch. It's called pruning, cutting. God may cut you. Sometimes God disciplines his children to purify faith and then to strengthen character. In fact, if God isn't trimming your life, giving you little cuts here and there, then you may want to talk to him and find out what's going on. Why? Why would I say that? Well, listen, on your car battery, just in the natural use over time, corrosion is going to gather on the ends and it's going to affect the flow of power. And if you don't, and then you're going to sit in the driver's seat and try to get access to it and it's not going to be there. It's far better to let God go ahead and start pruning. What Jesus is saying is if you abide in me and I abide in you, then the Father will keep pruning it as necessary to keep the power flowing. God will do that. As we decide to abide in Christ, God will do that for us. And do you know why? Because Jesus said he wants you to experience the increased flow of spirit power with more love, more joy, and more answered prayer in your life. And here's how it happens. But, but there are two parts at work in that equation for that to happen. There's your part, and then there's God's part. Do you know them? Your part is to decide to abide. That's the core decision of life for increasing your return in life this year or any year, it's decide to abide in Christ. Use your power of choice. Second, God's part is to guide and then provide. That's what he does. He's the source of return. You and I don't make it happen by choosing to abide in Christ, but you access the resource of power in life in Christ by deciding to abide. So then the question becomes, how do we abide, right? What does abide mean and how do we do it? We feel our pain. Let me just give a few answers. Because what abide means is make your dwelling place. 
Make yourself at home. Let your roots go down deep so that you can draw nourishment because nourishing in Christ's life is the way to flourishing in your life. And so how can I do that? Well, every day you can make it an intentional part of your day to make space and time to attend to this decision, right? Put it in your daily calendar. Welcome God's truth into your thinking by accessing his word. He said, if my words abide in you, then his presence would make himself known to you. You can ask the Holy Spirit who is already living in you to teach you the voice of truth so that he can guide you into all truth and then lead you as you're making your way through your day to help you as you're making decisions, as you're dealing with people, as you're assessing situations in life. Whether it's in a business deal or on a field of play or in a family situation, whatever the circumstance that you find yourself, then sometimes the Spirit will say, now it's time to apply tough love. Love here in this context doesn't mean a squishy, warm, fuzzy feeling. It was talking about muscling up with the kind of love that makes a difference, that can lay down life. In fact, Jesus uses these words, if you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love. Listen, we don't even use the word obey when we're talking to grown-ups, do we? We don't like the word command. Is this a military deal? What's happening here? No, he's saying, we, we don't even use the words, but Jesus says, if you can tap the truth, it's the secret to unleashing the power of God's source into your life right here. His command is this, love one another. Why? Verse 11, because God is such a control freak? No, no, no. Because God knows the power of love to set you free. He says this, so that my joy may be in you and your joy might be made complete. What's he talking about? Jesus is saying, here's how to increase the flow of love, joy, and answered prayer in your life. As you do life connected with other branches in the vine. This is not a solo act. All the branches are now connecting in community in Christ as our vine. And then he provides through God's spirit to bear fruit in our lives together. I'm thinking, this is, the same, is this the same thing Paul's talking about in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 where he says this? The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Do we need some goodness in our world today? Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I mean, these character virtues, and yet he's saying they're not ours to produce. We don't work them up by our moral strength, but we rather bear them and then share them as we're making God's life known through our lives because we're abiding in the vine. And did you notice every one of these fruit make you easier to get along with? Is that true? No, take a look at that. Every one of these fruit make you the kind of person other people want to have around. They make you the kind of person other people appreciate. They make you the kind of person that can be trusted on a job, with a job, on a team. Oh, there's somebody who I know is good. They're going to seek to do the right thing. That's what I need right now on my team. Oh, there's a person who's persevering, who's got long-suffering patience. Oh, I, I'm, this is going to be a job that's going to take somebody who can hang in there over the tough hall. Oh, you know what I need is somebody who's going to be healing relationships and can do it with a positive spirit. Love and joy that leads to peace. These, these are kind of things that people are looking for in our world. In job force, on athletic teams, 
the kind of people that you want to be around. Here's what I'm thinking. In a dangerous predatory world, is this what Jesus is saying? In this kind of world, we live in a dangerous predatory world, but I'm going to make a way and a place where people can grow in love, joy, and answer prayer. You know what he calls it? Church. He calls it group. I'm going to put people abide, connecting with one another because they're in community with me. And as a result, they're going to go there and experience love and joy and answered prayer, multiplying fruitfulness in their lives. And because they're going to increase the return by multiplying it because each one is going to be deciding to abide in me. So what he's saying is when you make your daily decision to abide in Christ as your dwelling place, you make yourself at home in him, then here's what's going to happen. He says his word will become yours. His joy will fill you. His love will now become your nourishment in life. And that kind of nourishing in life brings God's kind of flourishing to life. 11 times in 10 verses, Jesus challenges his disciples to abide. That's our part. That's your part. No matter the distraction, the hardship, the challenge, the issue at hand, things are going to try to block you. Stuff is going to interfere with your growth. But the simple, single, central decision of your daily life, Jesus is telling to his top leaders here, he's saying, is abide in, in me by faith. Decide to abide in me by faith. And then God's part as the gardener and the sap is to provide the harvest of fruit in love, joy, and prayer. Now, before I share my favorite new discovery about this, I need to share a concern and tell you a story. My concern is this. With all this emphasis about the power of decision-making and me saying that your part is to choose and decide and, you know, and to abide, that it can sound like this is all up to you, can't it? That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what Jesus means. The truth in my life is that my choices, my choices are weak. I run out of gas. Uh, my, my choices can, can take me so far, but then start taking me off point. How about yours? I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough to, to hold on or to hold out long enough in all the dangerous places in my life. Now, I want the increased flow of love and joy and answered prayer in my life. Truly, Lord, I do. I, I want that. But, uh, but I don't always choose well. You know, I, I can imagine Simon Peter leaning in when Jesus is talking here and saying, no, I'm not calling you servants. I want you to be friends. And Peter's saying, oh, that's what I want. I want to be a friend with God, with Jesus. And yet... I can relate to Simon Peter because he's the one Jesus said, you know, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Your power, your power of choice is going to find you out. I remember when my daughter Corey was little. Here's the, here's the story I want to tell you. My daughter Corey was maybe four years old. She's a preschooler. I'm taking her to school every day we go to preschool. And there are 18 steps on the staircase to get us into the floor where her classroom is. But my little girl... She doesn't want daddy carrying her. You know what? I'm going to do it myself. She's going to climb the steps herself. I said, okay, you do it yourself, but hold daddy's hand, okay? Okay, so every day, this is our routine. We get there. She says, I'll do it. I say, hold my hand, and up the steps we start going. But you know what I discover? About two-thirds of the way up the steps, three-fourths of the way up the steps, I can start feeling her little grip slip. 
I mean, she's been holding on. She's been doing her best. She's been making it all the way, but I'm telling you, her little grips are slipping. And so you know what I do, right? I mean, I don't say, hey, tighten up. You know, let's, let's show some grit here. Come on. You, you're almost there. What's the problem? You know, I don't do that. I, you know, I don't, in fact, I don't say anything. What do I do? I just hold on a little tighter. I feel her little hand start to slip, but I just hold on a little tighter, right? And then she makes it. I say, oh, man, way to go. And I don't do it just once. No, I do it every time. Every day, every time. When I feel her little grip slipping, every time. What about when we fail to abide? I mean, when you, when you and I start, you know, what then? Well, here's what I believe. I believe that God keeps holding on. I believe that our Heavenly Father just keeps holding on. Now, you're going to have bad days. When you're too sick, you're too tired, you're fatigued, you're too far gone to keep holding on, right? And temptation is working overtime and kind of peeling your fingers off the grip, right? But Jesus is not going to let go of you. How do I know that? Well, verse 16, there's the new discovery. Listen, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And then you'll ask the Father and he will grant you because you're asking in my name, my choice. I've got you. Here's my new discovery. The greatest power of decision that we've been given for facing a dangerous world is the power of Jesus' decision to choose you. That God is choosing you. God made a decision in Christ to choose you. Freddie, Maria, John, Sue, Roberta, Alberto, you know, he chose you. He knows you by name. He loves you. So that the increased flow of love and joy and answered prayer in your life comes not by your choice, but by his. You didn't choose me, Jesus said. I chose you and appointed you that you should bear fruit in life. Why would he say that? Well, I'm telling you, Jesus knows our grip slips. Mine does. How about yours? Our grip slips. He knew Peter would deny him. He knew the others are going to get scared and run. And don't you know they were thankful thinking back to this day, just a few weeks ahead. Now, if we were to fast forward in the future, thinking back to this day and saying, well, hey, wait, he didn't say, he said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. He still got us. It's not Bill's choice holding Christ to Bill. It's Christ's choice holding Bill to him and you to him. That's part, that's God's part to choose me, to choose you, and to never, ever, ever unchoose us. And your part is to trace over God's choice every single day with the power of your decision in a dangerous world to decide to abide. And though your decisions may lead you to get stuck and stalled and unproductive and unfruitful for a season. Here's God's decision to not let you derail his harvest from your life as you abide in him. That's why it's so important. You got to keep abiding and God will keep providing. God says, I will never unchoose you, so trace your choice over mine and take heart. I'm wondering if that's what Paul was thinking when he wrote these words to the Philippians. 
being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Would you pray with me? Thank you, gracious God, our gardener, Father, for the careful overseeing of your vine. Thank you, Lord Jesus, our sustaining vine for the life connections that you allow us by faith in you. And thank you, God, our Holy Spirit, for the way you make the life of God known in us, in our bodies, in our minds, in our spirits, in our souls. And I'm praying for brothers and sisters in Christ of mine today, right now, who maybe have just had the power shut down for a while. Would you bring freedom and fresh cleaning to where corrosion has stopped the flow? Brother, sister, would you be willing to let God do that for you? Then say, Lord, I'm listening here. Have your way in me. Restore the power. And allow him to do what needs to be done, to let go, to stop doing what is stopping the flow, and to start doing what would let it go. Restore the connection by faith. Lean in right now and say yes to the Lord. And perhaps to you as a spiritual seeker, today's the day to begin the connection with Christ. And you can do it when your heart aligns to the words of this prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Plug me into the power of your forgiveness. Forgive my sins. I receive the gift of salvation in you and invite you to fill me with the power of your love, your joy, in answer to this prayer. And I am turning from my way to learn to follow your way and experience the fruit you would bear through me in life. Now our heads are still bowed, but if you opened your life to Christ for the first time in that prayer and would let me ask God's blessing upon you in the next steps that you're taking, would you simply raise your hand and hold it up for a moment all across the room? If you're joining us in li online, then there's an orange banner you can click there that will allow us the opportunity of praying with you as well. Thank you. And we're praying for one another now, for people to our left and right, for those in front and behind. Lord, we thank you for every person who is opening their heart to you and inviting you to to create the new flow of your life power in them. We also thank you for believers who are letting you do a fresh cleaning on the cables. And we welcome your spirit now to renew the love and the joy in answer to this prayer we make in Jesus' name. Amen.